Kennedy Riley, former founder of Nerdy Girls Brand, is an undergraduate student here at Baylor. She balances the student-athlete lifestyle and puts in work off the mat and outside of the classroom to pursue her future entrepreneur endeavors. Tap in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 11 of season three of Campus Cuts. Today, I got a special guest. I know I say every guest is special because they are special, uh, but I got a national champion. I got an entrepreneur. I got somebody that is, you know, super, super talented and athletic as heck. Um, but of course, you know, here, you know, we're all about celebrating. She's more than an athlete. Um, Kennedy Riley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. No, I really appreciate you. I know, like, it was so weird. I'm like, yo, I was, I was like, man, I really need to get, I've always wanted you to have you on the show. And then after that, I'm just got kind of wonky and then so I was so surprised that you were up so late I'm like oh this is good let me just text her (laughs) and then after that but you were so down you're so quick yeah I was ready to go I just um at the time I was actually not officially ready to go but like I was ready to answer some questions but all right cool man I I really appreciate you uh coming on the show so first off um when it comes to Introduce yourself. What is your name, your year, your major? Um, and also, um, why did you come to Baylor? Okay, um, I'm Kennedy Riley. I am currently a junior from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my major is corporate communication um, with a minor in business administration. Okay. And I came to Baylor for a couple reasons. Obviously, Atlanta is pretty far away from um, Texas, but um, I am here on the acrobatics and tumbling team, which was definitely not what I had initially planned on. I had done competitive cheerleading for about 15 years. Um, I started when I was like five, four or five. And so I just did high school, or cheered throughout high school, throughout middle school and elementary school. And I think once I got to about my junior year, um, I just kind of started looking at colleges. I was looking at a lot of places in state. Right. Um, and honestly, I'd originally planned to just stay in school somewhere in Georgia. Um, but I was given the opportunity throughout with the coaches and go through the whole recruiting process um, with the acrobatics tumbling team. So uh, that's one of the reasons I'm here. I also just wanted to take um, time to just grow my spirituality, grow my connection with God. And I just thought this would be one of the best places to do it at. Right, right. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. That's incredible. There's so much to unpack right there. So, um, so you said you did competitive cheer. So now with doing competitive cheer, um, how where's the intersection between that and acro and tumbling? Um, did you ever expect to be like a like tumbling at a, a high level, like one of the best schools in the country? Um, honestly, I did not. It's kind of funny that you say that. Um, acrobatics and tumbling, the sport in general, it's just, it's a newer sport. Um, right. Just now got recognized the D1, D2, and D3 level, which is pretty awesome, wow. especially considering uh, what it started from. Uh, and it's kind of a sport that brings together a lot of the different gymnastics, cheer type backgrounds. Um, because for a lot of us, after high school, there's not really any sports for us at the collegiate level. So more often than not, we find ourselves just like, I mean, maybe you'll go to your gymnastics team or cheer for high school, but sometimes for us competitive cheerleaders, um, cheering at the collegiate level is not really the same as like competitive cheerleading. 
So the fact that acrobatics and tumbling is like a sport now, it's nice that it allows people from like all walks of like the pole cheer, gymnastics, um, acro background to continue their passion and their sport at the collegiate level. Right, right, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then so now it's crazy because you came from Georgia all the way up to Texas. And mm-hmm. talk about that transition, like, um, especially ATL is a place where it's dripping with culture. Like, you know, everybody's black, you know, very like everybody's there and you came to a school that was definitely a very different demographic. Um, how, like, how was that transition for you coming to a state that was completely different, but also like going to an environment, like you're going out to your, your comfort zone? Yeah, um, well, Atlanta is definitely a great place. I love Atlanta. Um, I, I've grown to love it more now that I'm not there as often, just like kind of seeing it from an outsider looking in. While I lived, I lived there basically my entire life, and growing up, I was like, I don't really see what's so cool about Atlanta, but it's like now that I've left and I'm here in Waco, I'm like, dang, Atlanta's really cool. I really like it. I'd love to, at some point in my life, maybe for a couple of years, just move back to Atlanta. Um, but um, yeah, so Atlanta's cool. The transition from Atlanta to Waco is kind of different. It's also kind of similar because in middle school, I went to like an all girls private school in like Buckhead. Then for high school, I went to a public school and for a bit up until high school, I had always been in private school. So it was definitely a bit of a transition, especially going from an all girl private to a co-ed public school. It was different. Um, I remember being a little scared at first, but it was fine. I met some of my best friends there. We're still great friends to this day. Um, It definitely was an eye-opener. The high school I went to was like a medical science um, based uh, high school, um, which um, I enjoyed it. And then... Okay, you hesitated. You hesitated a little bit. You enjoyed it. (laughs) Well, because like I I really did like it. Um, Like honestly, coming into Baylor, I'm kind of jumping around here, but coming into Baylor, I was a just the experiences that I had during high school, like right. my, like I said, my high school medical science and research base. So I had done internships at like physical therapy offices, different hospitals. I was exposed to all the different medical fields, like just how to work in an OR, you know, all the um, things related to the medical field. I learned how to do lab write-ups. I learned how to do uh, medical research papers. And so because that's all I had been exposed to, that's all I really knew. Um, I feel like it would have been different had I just been like uh, uh, not in the magnet program because it was our magnet program. So when I came to Baylor and I was a bio pre-med major, I was like, okay, I was kind of feeling it out. But after a while, once I started to see what other people, what other majors that Baylor had to offer, just different things, um, I kind of, it all kind of came full circle. And I was just like, I don't know if medical, like just the medical route is what I want to do. It doesn't really match up with like my kind of passion in life or what I want to do. So I had like a, it took me a minute. I had a difficult conversation with my parents. I was like, I just can't, I don't know what I want to do. Like I can't continue to go down the medical path if that's not what I want to do. Right. So I had at that point switched over to kind of like the business side, um, started taking some business classes, ended up in corporate communication. 
Um, but yeah, so that's why I, I kind of like hesitated when I said I liked it because it was like I did enjoy it. It definitely, if I, if I can say anything, those four years in high school taught me like not in a bad way, but kind of what I didn't want to do. Like right. I got the experience. I was like, okay. And then once I got to high, or college, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I can do that anymore. So I had to switch tracks. And so now here I'm at, I am at Baylor and, you know, doing business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wow. Wow. That's cool. That's actually really cool. And I really think that I know that's that notion of, okay, business by Christmas and how everybody from the, at the at BU um, in the medical program is like, oh man, you, you know, you switched to business because you're weak. Or, uh. But I'm like, no, it's a lot because especially you, not only like, you know, with everything that you're involved in, but then also being a student athlete, but also being a key contributor to your team and just mm -hmm. like, like whoa yeah <laughs> that's a lot it is it is a lot to handle but it's like it's almost like a lifestyle that I've kind of been used to like growing up my entire life I've always just been juggling like the student athlete life going straight from school having a couple hours well before I was driving it was my parents driving me around so I'd be in the car doing homework go to practice get out of practice like 10 at night doing homework in the car on the way home get home, go to sleep, wake up, go to school, do it all over again. So really the transition into college wasn't any different. It's just, it was more me independent and it gave me more time to kind of figure out what I want to do. Right, right, right. That's good. And I know, so that's actually a really good question. I really feel like this is like the golden question for our age right now. You know, us hitting our early, you know, young twenties, still trying to figure out life and whatever. So like, what do you feel like you want to do currently right now? Um, because I think, I don't know. Um, of course, you know, I'm really big on what LeBron James is about, like, you know, more than an athlete. And, um, you know, everybody's like multidimensional. There's so many different sides of us. So what does Kennedy want to do? Honestly, so it's, it's a, that's a great question because my life is starting to kind of come full circle. I'm, I mean, I have a lot, a way much more life to live, but it's, right. It's funny because when I was in middle school, I started a brand, Nerdy Girls, um, and it was a brand that I started when I was in like sixth grade, and it was like a women empowerment brand, and I basically sold t-shirts, wristbands, um, and the merchandise that I sold, a portion of it went to a, an organization called Girl Up, which it, um, helps girls in underdeveloped countries obtain an education by providing things like books, um, school uniforms, just paying for their school, um, and at the time when I was in middle school to do talks, um, I got set up, I was, had booths at like 5Ks, you know, at the end of the 5K, um, spoke to people, so from an early age, I like, I guess I kind of drew a liking to the, just having your own business, being your own boss, Right. Um, I didn't realize it until like a, a, right about now, maybe like a couple of years ago, like that's kind of what I want to do. I want to be my own boss. I would like to be an entrepreneur. Like I have some business plans in the works that I'm currently okay. working on, which is really exciting. Um, and it's just funny because like I didn't think that years ago, this is what I wanted to do. I just remember being like, younger and I was like dang I wish I could be a doctor I can't wait till I can be an orthopedic surgeon a physician's assistant like and it's crazy because now I'm I definitely don't see myself doing that at all it's just more I just want to be my own boss like going back to what I had originally been doing didn't really even realize that that's what I had a passion for so right yo that's so 
That's crazy because you said you wanted you hit this bug. You had that bug hit you at like sixth grade. Like, what made you decide to be like a, I guess, to hustle, learn how to be a hustler? <laughs> I I don't know. It's just, okay. Like, I'm a pretty creative, artsy person, and like I mentioned, uh, how I went to an all girl private school. Right. And we do like this program. It's like a two week program. Program. It's called Winterum, um, and it's two weeks where you get to like choose classes for things that are like just random things like there's a class to learn how to do taxes. It's just like pretty effective classes. There's some that are more fun. And I ended up taking this fashion design class because when I was in like sixth grade, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, maybe fashion design sounds fun. I took this like fashion design course and uh, one week were, or one of the first couple days we were assigned to draw like some sketches of outfits. And I started drawing up this like t-shirt and it was real like, it, was, it said Q, T, like the letter Q, the letter T, and then the pie symbol, cutie pie or whatever. Yeah. And my dad was like, oh, that's cool. Like, and I was like, oh, whatever. He's just saying that because he's my dad, you know, he has to hype up whatever I'm doing. And he's like, no, you can really like make something out of this. And I was like, okay, like, I didn't really think much of it. And then I, I, my dad worked with me to come up with like the name Nerdy Girls. And from there, it's just like, I started thinking, like, the wheel started turning. I started thinking of different storylines for these five characters. Each one of the five girls that were the nerdy girls um, came from different walks of life, but they all came together. And the whole slogan behind it was, alone we are smart, together we are smarter. And basically, I just wanted my brand to be that, like, to let girls know that it's okay to be smart and that we can use, like, our unique talents to impact the world. Because, honestly, every individual here on Earth has something to offer to the world. Um, it takes just a minute for you to find out what that is. And so just, like, at a young age, I wasn't really thinking of it like that. It was just my dad was like, oh, this, is, this would be cool. And it was fun. Like, I got exposure. I got to meet a lot of different girls. I got the opportunity to do, like, some talks at, like, kind of some bigger things but at the time didn't realize how um, much it would have affected me to this day and so I guess maybe starting in sixth grade I just I, I just realized that was my passion and I don't and now I guess it's yeah here yeah. I am it's a building that's on that that's I'm so fascinated and intrigued by that and that's really really dope and so you mentioned that you're a creative person right mm -hmm. I personally and see you know like that's what that's the beauty of like this is why I love doing this because you get to see a different part, a different side of a person. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh yeah, man, I know Kennedy. Like, you're like, oh, Kennedy's just an athlete. Of course, everybody is, but mm -hmm. I never knew that. You never came off as like necessarily creative. You know, when most people are creative, like they're very, very artsy. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm artsy, artsy. So like, yeah. what does, one, two questions. What does creativity means to you? What, what does creativity mean to you? And two, um, how do you want, what way do you, um do you be be creative like how do you how do you channel that um so honestly creativity means to me just like being able to express yourself like i know it's a very cliche like explanation just being able to express yeah. yourself in a different way but i from, i used to i always was fascinated with like drawing when i was younger i used to always do like sketches like I started getting really well with like pencil drawing sketches and my parents like kind of saw that and um they would like every year for like Christmas they'd get me like an, another like thing to help me with my drawing I remember one year I got something on how to draw like parts of the human body maybe I could do like anatomy or whatever you know just my parents trying to help me figure out what I wanted to do and then over time I started developing into more like painting and I just found more ways to express myself and 
um, I'll get in like these moods where I'm just like feeling like I just really need to get like what's in my head onto a paper or a canvas or something. Um, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it does. And I'll just come up with something and it's like, to me or to the average individual, like it may not look complete, but to me it's complete because it's what I wanted to express. It's what I was able to translate onto a different medium and like physically be able to see it. So creativity to me is just like kind of just putting it up, kind of what you're feeling, something that can't be put really into words into a immediate, like a channel of art. Um, so that's kind of where what creativity means to me, yeah. That's good, that's good, that's awesome, that's incredible. Um, now I'm gonna take a little bit of a shift and mm -hmm. I'm really gonna dig deep. Like these questions are, you know, I'm gonna make you think, right? Okay. So um, when, of course, things got disrupted just past school year, like, you know, the past semester due to COVID-19. So um, how, in, it was like right on the eve of your season, you know, your season was about to start, blah, blah, blah. Um, how did COVID-19 like affect you? And like one, how does it feel like to be back on campus? And two, like how has your mindset shift after COVID or now that we're in like kind of like this new normal? Mm -hmm. Um, so honestly, going into the, I guess, last year was 2019 school year, right? Yeah. Right. So going into that, um, I, like, we kind of start acro before we start school, like we start practicing like a week before. And like a week before school started, I tore my ACL, had surgery, like the yeah. second school, I think. And um, obviously, torn ACL surgery, basically out for the season. So I sat down and had like a talk with my coach. And she was like, you know, the season's going to look a little bit different for you. It's going to take a lot of like, digging deep inside of yourself and finding like what it means to be part of the team when you can't actually physically be on the mat with the team. Right. And so like, obviously, at first, I was like, upset, you know, how could this happen? I'd never had a serious injury, never dealt with really injuries in the past. Um, so this past year, it definitely was like different. I had to find different ways to be like a part of the team. Like I just found ways to be more verbal. I'm not usually that verb, much of a verbal leader. I'm more of just like a leading by example. Right. Um, but I wanted to feel like I'm part of a team. Like I'd enjoy the whole team aspect of just sports in general. So finding ways like just being more verbal um, kind of is what um, made me feel a part of the team but to kind of transition into how that translated into how that affected like or how COVID affected that is I think it was around spring break when we all started getting notifications like oh we're extending spring break for two weeks just to be on the safe side so what that looked like for me I was I was just going to stay in Waco over spring break anyway I think we would have had practice and then they're like okay actually it's a month now and I was like okay I'm probably still going to stay um, here in Waco but also at the same time, I was, I think, coming up on six to eight months of like recovery of my injuries. So that would have meant I'm going back in, getting ready to go. And that like just hearing that basically at that point, I was like ready to get back in. There might may or may not be us coming back. And then we finally got the news that we weren't coming back. And that was kind of upsetting. And it kind of like put a damper on just how I was feeling about the season. But I was like, you know, I have to take this as a learning experience, you know 
not everything is guaranteed. You have to put in your all. Like I was always constantly on the side doing my rehab, putting in work. Cause I was like, whenever I get back out there, I want to be as strong as possible. As well as on the academic side, I took last year as a time to um, do really well in school, get my GPA up so that going into my junior year, I could start, you know, checking things off the list. Um, COVID definitely changed some things around a bit. When we got sent home, I was a little concerned about just the whole switching to online because sometimes for me, that's not ideal, but a lot of our, a lot of my professors at least, can't speak for everyone, were very understanding and made it easy for all of us to continue learning online. Um, it was definitely a switch. I was back at home and then I came back here. But over that time, like I just kind of learned a lot about myself. I reflected a lot on my, like as an individual, just like how I want to be, like how I carry myself. I just learned a lot of things about myself during that time. Right, right. That's really, that's really good. And um, I'm about to dig a little bit deeper. Um, you mentioned um, about, you know, you starting your brand, you know, nerdy girls, right? And we're on an eve where I, I think that we're on the rise where um, female empowerment and female in, in, um, movement and involvement, whether it's like politics, whether it's entertainment, like it's like, you know, I remember my friend having like a, a, um, a phone case, like the future is female, right? Mm -hmm. Like, boom. And yeah, like, yeah, like high key. Yes, of course, the future is female. Yeah. Um, how does it feel like to be a black woman in America? especially now in the sense of, you know, COVID was so wacky because, you know, we had like George Floyd, then right. we had Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud mm -hmm. Marbury, you know, and then after like all these names just started coming and coming and coming and coming. Right. And um, yeah, man, I think there's just some, that's a lot of good things that we can unpack, like your identity and how, how that's been like, well, you growing up and you walking at it and then walking that out, and also like not trying to fit into these, these stereotypes that the world will try to put you in. Yeah, right. so I want you to talk about that. Um, so being a black female in America is definitely a different experience. Um, it's, one, being a female is different, uh, and then being a black female is obviously very different. I just remember when I went home and you know, just all the hashtags of all the names of the um, individuals that were killed started popping up, I just remember, sitting down and talking, because I have two younger sisters, um, and I remember sitting down and talking with my, my entire family, and we were just like, it's just crazy that this is the world that we're living in. It's like, who would have ever thought that this is the year that, you know, everything started to happen? Um, nobody ever expected it, and I, and to this day, I still call my sister and have a conversation with her, and she's like, it's just so crazy to me, and I'm like, yeah, but you have to understand, like, or my dad, my parents have always just, uh taught us just like kind of use your voice you know if you don't know ask um and so I spent a lot of time asking my dad questions obviously he gave me answers but it's like I wanted to hear it from a female's perspective right. asking my mom uh she was able to give me some insight but she um it's like I still wanted more answers I was like I need to find like the the answers she were giving me were okay but I wanted to know more I was like I just need to find some other people I started talking to some of my teammates I was like okay yeah um I started talking to some of my friends from back home and it's just like I started getting all these answers and honestly I feel like just in general everybody's experience is different and it's definitely 
um, has to do with how you're brought up. Um, yeah. I remember this is kind of just to talk back on. I remember during when everything started happening, our team, we had a team call um, to just talk about the situation at hand, the racism, the situation at hand. And we, I remember a lot of the black athletes on my team, we were just like, if you have questions, like reach out to us. We genuinely would like to help. Like, cause you know, at that point we felt like we had uh, a, um, like a soapbox to stand on and speak. You know, if they actually um, came up to us, we could explain to them what we were feeling. And um, I remember it saying, because I just wanted it to be known that before we got off the call, like you can ask any one of us, like you can ask me, you can ask my team, another black teammate. We all have different experiences growing up. Right. It's not going to be the same answer you get all around. So I learned that when I not only was just asking my mom, but when I started asking aunts and uncles, when I started asking friends, when I started asking teammates, it was just like all these different experiences. So honestly, it's just, you have to be able to learn to develop a mind of your own. Um, right. You have to be open to all different perspectives. Everybody's going to go through something different. And so, yeah, it's just a very different experience. You have to be prepared for the worst and the best, everything that comes with it. Um, and you just got to take it one day, one day at a time, basically. Right, right. That's really good. And also, like, so you mentioned that you went to a private school, right? Mm -hmm. So now, was that private school predominantly white back in, like, elementary school? Uh, my yeah it was my middle school it was predominantly white I would say yeah yeah and then so did you ever like feel I don't know like for me in my personal experience I kind of I grew up in a very like diverse area but mm -hmm. um, I was like one of the very few black kids and then like all of them used to say that yo Tanaki like you're white um mm -hmm. and, like because like you talk like oh yeah you talk wise and you know you're yeah. so sophisticated and so smart mm -hmm. um did that ever like did that um, did that kind of circumstance ever happen to you growing up or um growing well okay i can speak from like kind of multiple pers perspectives on that so like in middle school because that's when i was there surprisingly I, I feel like that's when I learned a lot about just like people from different walks of life because like I'm, it was in an all girls school and kind of the rules around um, there were kind of different. It's not like traditional, like, like most high school or middle schools or high schools, you have locks on your lockers. Right. We didn't have those there because we we're all sisters. It was a community. You're mm -hmm. supposed to be able to go to one another, ask questions, make everyone feel comfortable. Um, and also at that age, everybody's in that time or that phase where they're just kind of figuring out who they want to be, like starting to get a grasp on like who they are, their personality, who they want, like what they want to believe in, you know? Um, so I don't think really in middle school, I experienced anything with like people saying like, I'm too white. Like if anything, I feel like I learned the most, like I met the most people. I don't think anybody judged anybody, you know, sometimes we had our little catty problems, you know, yeah. that we'll have every now and then, but like, you know, you live and you learn. Um, but on in a weird way my grand this is so off topic but on topic my grandmother every time i call her she's older obviously um every time i call her she's like you sound like a white girl and i'm like what and obviously my grandmother's black and she's, she goes you sound like a white girl she says it to me and my sisters and my dad i mean we don't get offended by it we know it's just based off of um yeah <laughs> okay but um yeah so my grandmother like, yeah, it's just based, just different generation back then. Um, I remember my dad always be like, he'd be like, Ma, you got to stop telling them that. They don't speak white. They just, you know, they, it's just 
the environment they've grown up in, they've learned, they just know how to articulate their words. That doesn't make them like sound white or anything. It's just, that's, that's the generation they're growing up in. You grew up in a different generation. So it was like weird hearing that from my grandmother. I never really had a problem with it. My sisters don't have a problem with it. Um, and I think just like how our parents raised us, we were just taught not to judge people, like just have a very open mind. So like when she would say things like that, I'd be like, what is she talking about? And then my, my dad would honestly have to sit down and explain it. And I'd be like, oh, it's starting to make sense. And then I start be, being able to put two and two together. But mm -hmm. just my experiences growing up, like I've always just been around a very diverse group of people. Um, like if not, if it wasn't in school, it was in cheerleading because I went to a predominantly white um, gym Right. But I mean, there are people from all different walks of life, but it was definitely predominantly white. And I've just always been, I've never be, really been in just like a very, it's just always been a diverse area that I've grown up in. Yeah. And that, that's, that's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And like, you know, we got, we have to be grateful that we happen to be surrounded in such an environment where it welcomes that because not a lot of people do come from from that and I, that was even going to be like my follow-up question is like why do you feel like you, why do you feel like it's important for us to be able to have an open mind and not only that not only have you traveled like you know live in the united states but you know you went on a mission trip in south africa and whatever and like you know so, so the question is like why do you think it's important for us to be globally minded and for us to travel whenever mm -hmm. we um that's I definitely, I didn't forget about my South Africa trip, but I'm glad you mentioned it because that trip was definitely eye-opening for me. Um, I originally decided to go on the trip because I wanted to grow more spiritually. Yeah. Um, when I got there, when we got to South Africa, like when we started doing like our meetings for like who was going, there were a couple of my teammates that were going, there are different student athletes from different teams. And I was like, oh, this is an interesting group. Can't wait to like go on the trip and learn more about a lot of these people. I've never really actually met any of them. Like face, oh, I've met face to face, but like I've never gotten to know these people. Right. So it's like, it's gonna be interesting, not only getting just to know them regularly, but, but being able to know them like from a spiritual perspective and seeing them when they're vulnerable and like just being able to accept them and love them for who they are. So. When we got to South Africa, I remember we didn't really know what to expect. Um, none of us, I think that was our first time going to South Africa. Um, so we got there and, you know, we, um, we met with like student, like we partnered with student athletes from the schools in Johannesburg. Um, and I remember our president, like, that was the first question. Every single time they'd ask where we're from, like, we're from America. They'd be like, oh, is Trump really your president? We're like, yeah, he is. <laughs> um, he most definitely is. And it was just funny, um, just kind of learning about life from, like, the, a whole other side of the world. I remember we got stopped by an individual, and he was outside of, like, one of the um, schools selling textbooks. Right. And he just started asking us questions. He's like, oh, are you guys from America? We're like, yeah, he was like, dang, I just, I would love to be able to go there. I was like, oh, like, could you explain to me, like, what, what fascinates you so much about America? Because I just genuinely would like to know, like, what America is like from the outsider looking in. And I remember him saying, he was like, well, you know, here I have, like, multiple jobs. I'm, I'm selling phones. I'm selling textbooks, all to provide for my family. He's like, I want to go to America with hopes that I'll just be able to settle down, like, go to, like, a big city like New York or California. And, like, he can only he only knew like of the big ones or just the ones you see on TV. So like California, New York, um, Texas, 
And he was just like, I just want to make it big there and like sell like one thing and like my family will be set. And it was just so interesting to see that that's like how he perceived America when it's just like, like being here, I obviously have never experienced having to sell, um, having to sell items or whatever to provide for my family. But it, it was just interesting hear, hearing his perspective because I'm like, I, I didn't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to do, you know, right. especially not it's going going to a different country and doing it as well is just a challenge in and of itself. Um, I talked to like people who um, some of the group leaders they were teaching us about Christianity and how it differs in, in South Africa than America. You know, there's different practices, there's different traditions. We went to a church. Um, we went to church on Sunday because I think we were there for about two weeks, and it was different. It was like very much similar to churches here in America, but. I definitely enjoyed the experience. Um, it allowed me to really, you know, just kind of see Christianity in a different light, not in a bad way, but in a great way. I learned how to better unconditionally love people, accept people for who they are. Um, it just gave me a better view on how to accept people, how to understand people, just have a more open mind. So I had never seen some of my teammates and or close friends so like, open and it was just amazing being able to see that and experience that with people I thought it was like a really beautiful thing and towards the end of the trip we we all became a lot closer than we were obviously going into the trip but it was just nice being able to not only one go to a different country but just learn about other people in a different country learn about their religion learn about their lives and how much it differs and is in some ways very similar to ours right that's good that is so that is so enlightening and encouraging that you had such a, yeah, I, mean, I think everybody can like, you know, understands and feel like, yo, oh yeah. Um, a, a mission trip does open your eyes. And um, that's, that's really humbling because too many times, you know, they say that usually, oh, we go in there to save them. And another right. day, oh my gosh, I was saved. <laughs> but no, but it's true. It's true. Like yeah. you know, people, people are touched and people are changed because we have that exchange of culture, that exchange mm -hmm. of the identities, an exchange of being able to see people be vulnerable. And I think vulnerability is one of the most important things for a relationship, for sure. um, whether it's like, you know, two-second interaction or like a lifelong, a lifelong time. And like, and I, and I think that vulnerability is not necessarily something that you have to like share your whole life story, right? It's in action and it's in word and that like in a specific moment and you, I mean, walking by Christ, showing mm -hmm. empathy and compassion, but also with conviction, uh, depending on the situation does open up, you know, a lot more and bring a lot more hope for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so dope. Um, so as you know, now we're towards the end of the show. So I got three bigger questions. So my first question for you is, what are three things that you would tell your younger self? Uh, I'm talking about, hmm, let's go with junior year, four years ago. What would you tell, you, tell yourself like junior year, uh, Kennedy? Three things. Um, I would definitely tell myself like, don't doubt yourself and not that I ever did doubt myself but just like you know don't be afraid I I've always been like a, I know what I want in life and I know the steps that I need to do it but sometimes I am a bit timid and 
um, think like whether or not I'm actually capable of doing that. And I've proven to myself numerous times over that like I am more than capable of doing the things that I want. So one, one of the things would just be like, don't doubt yourself. Another one would be just like, don't be afraid to, like I said, just be vulnerable. Like um, you have to open yourself up in order to have those learning experiences, in order to, you know, learn lessons from things that have happened, things that w are going to happen in the past. Um, and once you start to do that, like just being vulnerable, being open, you uh, kind of start to learn a lot more, like even stuff that you didn't intend on learning. Um, and you just, and at the time it may not be useful to the situation you're in, but you, it, it may be something you encounter years down the road and you're like, wow, that's, that's what they were trying to explain to me. And you're just like, okay, it makes sense now. Like, that's what she was trying to say. It, it, it's applying to this situation. And now, you know, like exactly um, what they were trying to get out. And then lastly, I guess I would say, um, I don't know. I personally, I guess I'm going to just say, don't be afraid to be yourself. Like, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty much always myself. I'm at first, I'm a very, I'm a contrary to like what some of my teammates or my sisters or family may believe. I'm a pretty shy, reserved person at first. I like to observe people a lot. Um, and that's just who I am as a person. But once I start to get to know people, once I start to see how, you know, just, just evaluating the environment that I'm in, I can begin to open up. But one thing I have learned is like, when I like sometimes I'll talk back to people or like people that I've worked with in the past like Kennedy you're like so funny like you always have a great opinion you always have like insight on everything and it's like at first I'm like I definitely don't think so but it's like I, that's just me just being genuinely me and people really seem to enjoy that about myself and I never really like switch up around people but I don't realize how much me being myself has an impact on not just myself but other people around me yeah that's so good. That's so good. And I mean, like, that's, I think that's a, the, that's the next question. Like the last question is like, what type of, what type of impacts do you want to leave? Um, what do you want your impact to be? Oh, no, no, like legacy, legacy. <laughs> um, I would definitely like my legacy to be, if there's something, mm, I want, yeah, if there's something you want, you're just going to have to go after it. Like, I feel like that's pretty cliche. Like, Right. If you want something, go get it. Like, duh, like, that's how it would work. But it's just like, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people in the world that I've, I've met, haven't met, heard stories about. They're like, dang, I wish I had this. And I'm like, okay, but what's stopping you from getting it? Right. Or they'll, they'll, they'll say things like, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay, so the first, and I'm a very like, got to get this step done, got to get this step done one step at a time. Because once I start to think of the bigger picture of things, I start to get like, stressed out I'm like dang I don't know if I can do that but if I start to break it down into small pieces um it all becomes attainable and I think that's what a lot of people fail to realize they they think of everything as like just the big picture and fail to see the steps to get there like steps being good or bad like the failures and the successes like you're not going to get everything you want on the first try if you do cool that's great um if not you're just gonna have to keep learning until you get there like you have to understand if you want something, you're going to have to go get out, get after it. There's going to be obstacles in the way. There's going to be um, failures, but those are essentially is what's going to make you stronger at the end of the day. And once you're finally at where you want to be, you're going to look back on all the work you put in, all the, the, the failures, all the success. And you'd be like, wow, like that's really what made, got me here to this day. It's like, I look at myself in my life where I am today. 
I never would have thought here I'd be at Baylor University um, going into my third year on the acrobatics and tumbling team. If you, I, if you would have told me that years ago, I definitely would not have told, I would have been like, mm, definitely not me. Because I used to be the like most timid, shy, like individual, but here I am like just doing well, learning more and more about myself every single day. And it's all because not only did I like have to break it down step by step, but my parents, my friends, my peers were helping me see like every step in the process, everything along the way, which has like helped me be able to help others who like are struggling with like, I want to get this done. I'm like, okay, you want to get that, get that done. What's the first thing you need to do? They'll be like, okay, I need to do this. So say, okay, so what do you need to do to get there? It's like, well, I need to do this. All right, so do it. So that's one step. And then you just gotta keep taking. You get to the end goal, and it's just a lot of people just fail to realize that there's just those steps in between. You just gotta go one day at a time, one thing at a time. You can't rush. If you rush it, sometimes you miss out on a lot of valuable lessons, and yeah. Right. Yo, you know what I was about thinking? It sounds like. One, I'm just thinking about all, like, the motivational, like, videos that I watch and, like, you know, Kobe talking about, like, you know, top Mount Everest. Like, I think you should just be, like, a motivational speaker. <laughs> yeah. You sound like it's a like, coach. <laughs> it, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, as of late, that has just really resonated with me. Like, if I want to get things done, I'm going to have to go after it. I'm going to have to go, like, one step at a time. Like, it's gotten to the point where <laughs> I've had to break down my days by the hour. I'm like, okay, I have class from 8.15 to 9.15. Then I, after class, I can go go and grab breakfast. Then once I get out of breakfast, I need to make sure I'm doing this, this, and this. And then by the end of the day, like, because once you start to, like, see all those things just, like, adding up, you're like, dang, I need you this, I need you this, I need you this. You're like, how am I going to get it all done? But if you just sit down take a deep breath, do the first thing. All right, you can check that off. You already right. feel better. That's one thing closer to the, I guess, let's say we start from at the beginning of the day, end of the day. That's one thing you've already checked off your list. And now you have one less thing that you have to worry about versus all these different projects you've started and you're trying to just get them done. But right. yeah. Wow. Wow. Man, that's some, that's some wisdom. I think a lot of people will definitely be able to resonate and um, hopefully pick up all the gems that you dropped along the way. Like, that's awesome. And this is the last segment of the show. It's called uh, the Speak Life segment. Um, Kennedy, I just want to just uh, say, you know, this is just me where I just give people their flowers because it's important to let them know that you appreciate them and you like, you know, you're valuable. Uh, man, you are intelligent. You are well-spoken. You are, um, you're passionate. And I'm like, uh, I look up to you, like, on the highest degree because I'm like, I remember going to one of the matches, um, your acro matches, I'm like, dang. I would be doing that, I would never be able to do that. But you've always just put out and projected like great energy. And because that energy has just always been so kind and so um, awesome, and just whether it's through Instagram or in person or interaction, um, you're just a very great, genuine person, genuine soul. So I just want to let you know that I'm rooting for you. I'm super excited for all your endeavors or whatever. And if you ever need any help or anything like that, do not hesitate to reach out to me. Um, I, I, I will not say that I'm a wealth of resources, but I know a little bit of something here and there, but it's just so incredible just to see you and your development and how you continue to grow. And I'm, I'm super excited for you. So that is me giving you your flowers. Let's go. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So that's it, everybody. That is season three, episode 11. And we are... 
Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure you go watch the podcast on YouTube if you haven't. And make sure you go follow us on IG Campus Cuts Pod and follow us on each and every social media network. Thank you so much for the help. Hopefully that we can get up back to where we were and hope you have a blessed day. Continue to share it, like it, love it, subscribe, and enjoy your time. Peace.